Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and today we're actually going to hear a few stories from an old friend of mine, Braden Ford. Braden is a lifelong hunter. He's originally from Colorado, and he currently lives in Kansas. He's out there living his dream, hunting land that he not only owns, but manages for trophy game. Uh, I hope you enjoy the stories that he has to tell, but please keep in mind this was actually our first recording, and uh, there may be a few quality issues. We're only going to be getting better, but uh, beyond that, Braden is a unique individual who doesn't have internet or a computer at home, so we had to reschedule a few times and get a little creative in order to record our conversation. Either way, Braden's a great hunter, an even better human, with plenty of stories to tell, and we are very happy that he took the time to come on the show. So let's kick it off and hear some of Braden's best hunting stories. I'm going to sound corny here, but let's go ahead and kick it off, man. Uh, thanks for jumping on. You're, Braden, you're going to be the first person to actually tell a story on hunting stories. So we better be a good one. May not be episode one, but you're at least the first recording. <laughs> so, right, well, as, <laughs> as long as we don't have to limit it to, to one story, we'll be all right. Yeah, man, you can just go as long. Well, we got 40 minutes until Zoom kicks us off, uh, <laughs> but you have all that time. So go ahead, uh, man, introduce yourself. All right. Uh, I'm Braden Ford. Uh, I, I grew up with Mike, so to say. Uh, we went to high school together, went kind of our separate ways come college. And after college, I ended up uh, traveling for a while, got married and moved out to Kansas to follow my dream of being able to hunt and fish on my own my own property. Uh, one, of, one of my goals was to be able to shoot what I considered a trophy whitetail on my own place. So how long have you been hunting, Braden? Like when, when did you start? When did your parents get you involved? Cause I know that you're a multi-generational hunter here. Yep. Uh, so I started hunting pretty much since I've been able to walk. Uh, I started out waterfowl hunting. I did a lot of waterfowl hunting and I started going with my dad and when you could take the Daisy BB gun that you could watch the BB come out of the, the end of the gun in a looping arc and it'd only go <laughs> about 20 yards. So that's, that's how I started hunting was in, in waterfowl. And my dad would take me and uh, at the time uh, the neighbor across the street owned the property and we were able to literally walk across the street and go goose hunting. So that's that was amazing. That was definitely pretty awesome for me. And so now you're in Kansas, primarily whitetail. Do, do you hunt anything else out there right now? Turkeys or yep. know, waterfowl? Yep. I've done. I, I do it all still. My main focus is still more on the whitetail. When I first moved out here, one of the way I got to meet people is I volunteered to be a guide for the One Shot Governor's Hunt for the state of Kansas. And that was based out of El Dorado. And uh, it actually worked out great for me. I actually met people who ended up offering me jobs out here. And I briefly, I worked one full season at a hunting resort called Flint Oak. Uh, it's about 45 minutes away from me. That, that place is uh, top of the line, first yeah. class place. Um, and they do pheasant quail, they got chucker, but it's all bird dogs for the most part. They do some turkey and deer hunting out there as well. But uh, 
that's where I got to experience the the upland game, the quail and stuff like that. Cause we have quail out here in Kansas that I had never experienced that in Colorado. So that was, mm. that was awesome. I got to work behind a dog. I got to learn how to work a dog. Just really opened my eyes to, to that a whole nother side of hunting that I haven't done before this. And now I, I still manage to squeeze three or four quail hunts in a year. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in a, adult onset hunter so i don't have experience with any of that stuff so i'm gonna have to come out and let you show me the ropes sometime yeah we'll uh we'll definitely be able to work something out and uh you know i i'm able to hunt waterfowl on my own property now um so that's that's a lot of a lot of fun for me i'm looking forward to being able to take my boys when they get a little bit older hopefully uh hunting and fishing is something that they're they're going to be interested in Hopefully, man. Hopefully I've, you know, you've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I've got a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. And hopefully I'm, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers for the same thing when archery shooting with my boy today. And he couldn't have been more encouraging every shot. He's like, oh, dad, you're the best ever. It was, it was a pretty fun experience. And I think uh, it feels to me like he's already hooked, but um, cool, man. Well, what stories do you have for us to sort of set the stage? Well, I didn't get into archery until like right at the end of high school and when I was in college, the first part of college. And I actually shot my first deer in Colorado on public ground. Yeah. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I knew it was something I wanted to try. And so I, I mean, I went and bought a bow. The advice somebody gave me was walk into a bow shop, tell them what your price range is. Don't look at any of the names. Uh, just shoot every bow you can in your price range. And then yeah. pick the one that feels the best. That's pretty good and advice. So that's what I did. Same thing with a release. And so I got a bow that worked really well for me. Do you remember I what shot. bow it was? It was a Bowtech Assassin. There you go. You still have that bow? And I don't, but I don't feel bad about it because I traded it to my <laughs> brother-in-law and he still got it and he still loves it. And uh, he has successfully shot animals with that bow. So yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds like it's it was still, a good purchase. Yeah, it's still in the family. So there's there's no hurt feelings there. Yeah, that it's been a phenomenal bowl for both of us. But yeah, that that first time I was up near Idaho Springs actually, and uh, I had been hunting all over on public ground up there. And of course, like I hadn't seen anything. I couldn't, you know, the only stuff I'd seen was you know a thousand yards away across the valley. And by the time I made it over there, they were all gone. Um, and I had been really diligent about practicing. I mean, like I had gotten a new bow. I had fallen in love with it. Mm -hmm. I had done everything. I'd practiced and done everything I could to the best of my ability. And, uh, I just struggled and struggled. And one of my friends had just recently bought a place up there in Idaho Springs. And so he'd met people up there and one of his friends called him and was like, Hey, we got some deer over here. They're all, they're out here on the public ground. And I had a doe tag. So I, I grew up a meat hunter. I had, hmm. I grew up, I, I had never had a buck tag in my life. I mean, I grew up hunting, I'd been hunting deer, antelope, uh, elk, everything my, my entire life. And I had never had a bull tag or a buck tag or anything like that. I, you know, my dad had told me we're meat hunters. It's what, it's what it is. Don't get caught up on the horns. You can't eat the horns. Right. Yep. And so that's, that's just what it was. That's how I was raised. That's, that's how I hunted. Um, makes it easier to tags. That's for sure. It, it does that too. And, uh, yeah, nobody, you know, when you shoot a doe, nobody questions you. Well, you know, 
how, how many gray hairs did it have in its face? You know, was, was that a <laughs> five-year-old mature doe? No, I mean, yeah, you shot a doe. Nobody cares. You don't get any of those questions. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, you filled your freezer. Right. Exactly. It's delicious. But anyway, so we, we, I get this phone call and, uh, you know, so my buddy and I, we jump in his, in his truck and we, we run across the valley over there. And, uh, sure enough, there's, there's one up and there's a, a herd of them up there in the Hills and I get out and, you know, I check my wind and I'm able to circle around and I got within 40 yards of this doe and it, it, there was an old logging road up there. And, uh, she Colorado for somebody that might be listening that is not familiar. It's all like lodgepole pine, right? So it's, it's really easy mm -hmm. to navigate around and you can kind of hide behind each lodgepole pine as you move. And, you know, I, I, when she put her head down to feed or something like that, that's when I would, that's when I would take my time to move and I just move from one tree to another and just try to stay you know out of sight try to keep my movement that she could see to a minimum and uh, I was able to get close enough and I shot and she ran and I was like oh no what have I done you know this is this is my first time ever taking a shot at a, at a live animal with my bow and I was so scared like I just I didn't I didn't I suddenly had this feeling of guilt. I'm just like, I hope I didn't wound it. I hope I didn't, you know, I, I hope I'm yeah. going to find this animal. Cause I, and I had heard my arrow hit a tree. And so oh, I was no. like, Oh no, exactly. That, that instant gut feeling where I'm just like, no. And, uh, so I actually, I just sat down and waited like 10 minutes. I just sat right there and was like, I just need to collect myself pull together. I mean, I've never done anything like this. My adrenaline is, is, is just, raging got the and, shakes uh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean this is this is so much different than rifle hunting i mean rifle hunting uh, and and growing up a meat hunter uh we did a lot of harvesting there wasn't i didn't get the shakes yeah. you know like you just you picked out an animal you took your breasts like you were at the rifle range you made a clean shot and you know they either dropped or they ran up to 50 yards and and, and that was it like that and that's all i'd ever experienced Mm -hmm. and so when this happened and she took off i i was and i hearing my arrow hit that tree i just i felt like i'd made a a, a giant error like i was so i just sat down and waited and finally i'm like well i guess i gotta go find my arrow and uh i went and found my arrow and sure sure enough it was it was stuck in a in a lodgepole pine but it was covered in blood oh and, there you go uh, I couldn't, I couldn't actually get my arrow out of the tree. I had to unscrew the broadhead and leave the broadhead in the tree. Uh, I've, I've done that with a turkey before. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So I, I took my arrow and of course I couldn't find any blood other than what was like on my arrow at the time. And, uh, so I was like, well, you know, I kind of saw what direction she went. And so I, I walked down the hill and I got to the logging road and, uh, I kind of looked down the logging road and I, I saw what I, I thought was like, what, that looks funny. That's like a wet spot or something down there. But so I walked down the logging road about 10 yards and it looked like somebody had taken a five gallon bucket of blood and thrown it across the road. Oh, wow. And so then I just found my blood trail <laughs> and <laughs> I followed it like another 15 yards and there she was piled up and, uh, when we cleaned her, I had made a perfect shot. I that I was using a muzzy broadhead MX4, and I had shot her clean through the heart. So nice. 
yeah, I was I was super stoked after that. Yeah, and, I bet, uh, man. I kept the heart in my freezer because <laughs> I didn't know. And I was probably a little too proud. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I kept it so I, I could show my dad and, you know, some of my close friends like, yeah, I made a heart shot. You know, nice work, man. Nice work. So nothing wrong with being proud of the, the, the hard work you put in. And then uh, especially after scaring yourself and hearing that uh, the arrow hit the, hit the tree. Uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I, when you said that, my gut dropped it. I felt bad for you. Yeah. And then uh, so my next time really uh, getting a deer after that with my bow was when we went to Kansas. And uh, we talked before this and that's we I'd met Larry. Uh, down in the Dominican and he had, had invited my wife and I to come to Kansas and hunt on some of his property. He had uh, like three places, three different properties that he owned. And then he had a couple of places that he had leased and he was able to take us out. And it was, it was phenomenal. Um, my, my wife tagged out on day one within an hour of being in her tree stand. So that, that was incredibly awesome for her. It took me a little while longer to get, get a deer. I ended up having to stay like six days or something. And I, I mean, I, I can't believe Larry just let me like he, I, I hunted every day for six days straight mm -hmm. and you know, I, I, I was definitely spoiled, but uh, one of those days he had some property leased real close to his house. And this, this is, and uh, called this is it, back in Kansas, not, not uh, more Colorado hunting, correct? Right. Yep. This is after okay. I, I moved to Kansas. So I shot my first year uh, in Colorado and then it, it was like two years after that we packed up, moved to Kansas. Gotcha. Okay. And I had public land tags after I'd shot my first deer in Colorado and just, I was unsuccessful. So I had tag suit, short story. And so when I moved to Kansas, this is actually, we still live in Colorado, but we, I was hunting in, in Kansas with Larry and uh, he took me out and we went to this place and he said, well, we're just going to tennis you in. And I was like, what? Well, okay, what's, what's tennis shoe in mean? And, uh, he's old school. Um, he had trees, big, big walnut trees out here. And so they, they get kind of tall and then they branch out about 15 yards up and this, they'll turn into like a big bowl. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't actually have ladder stands in some of these walnut trees. He just had the screw in steps that go up the walnut tree. And then he had screw in hooks to hang your bow on. <laughs> and that's it. So you would just stand in this tree and I'll never forget this hunt for as long as I live because it had just rained. It had poured. And so everything was wet. The ground was soft. All of the dry leaves were no longer dry so that nothing made a sound. Like it was quiet. Mm -hmm. It was still, I mean, you could hear the birds, but that, that was it. Like there weren't squirrels, rustling leaves, nothing. And so we went out there and he, he showed me where this tree was. I crawled up in the tree. I'd hung my bow up. I grabbed my cell phone to text my wife, be like, just got in the tree. I look up to my left. I am not kidding. There is a monster buck walking right at me. I haven't been in the tree five minutes. And I <laughs> mean, this, this dude is, <laughs> no, I wish it was. <laughs> This dude is a monster. He is still probably the largest deer I've ever seen on the hoof in person. If you had to guess, what would you score him? Oh, he was he was 200 for sure. Like, mm -hmm. I, there's not a doubt in my mind. He was bigger than a lot of deer that you see killed on TV, but he did everything they did on TV. I mean, so he's walking in. The, the wind was out of the north. He was coming from the north, so he wasn't going to wind me. 
and he was walking right at my tree and he had his head down and hit like his big old rack was just like sauntering you know left to right left to right i mean just like you could just tell it was big it was old he he just looked tired and he was just had that slow walk saunter and he walked right underneath my tree i didn't even have an arrow knocked yet <laughs> so you know i as soon as he walks underneath me he can't see me so i get my i'm grabbing my bow and i get an arrow knocked and he is right underneath me now and i am drawn i got my bow drawn but i mean i can't shoot because it's like a straight down shot i'm still an amateur bow hunter i don't i don't know what's going on so i got my bow fully drawn now and he's starting to finally walk past me and walk kind of out and slightly up a hill which is going to be perfect and so i'm following him and i'm bringing my bow up and i'm at full draw and I, so i got i'm starting to look down my arrow and through my peep sights full draw and i'm still twisting and i'm standing on branches again i'm, I'm just standing on yeah. big branches up in this walnut tree i'm not i'm not in a tree stand and i'm turning with him and i'm getting ready to shoot and my elbow hits another branch behind me and i pulled the trigger Oh, on my release <laughs> and i send that arrow i i mean i wasn't on him at all yet so i send that arrow right right into the ground you know yeah seven feet from the base of the tree and he's he's or seven yards from the tree and he's 10 yards out from the tree and he of course he takes off i mean i guarantee yeah. you this is not the first time this bad boy's been shot at so he he knows what's up and so he runs up the hill a little bit and instantly then I know he catches my scent. I mean, and we, we sent down, we do everything we can to cover our scent, but you know, fresh, fresh after a rain like that. And I'd just been in there. I, I know he winded me and it, you know, he stopped for that, that second and turned sideways and I could see his full rack and, you know, he's all majestic and it's still kind of cool. Like you can still kind of see the steam rolling out of his nose Yeah, and that'll forever be imprinted in my mind. And I don't know if he, I don't think he ever saw me, but that was it. That, that was the game. And yeah, you know, game over. boom, boom. He was gone. Never saw him again. And uh, uh, Larry actually saw him after, after I shot the ground and uh, <laughs> you know, Larry's like, yeah, yeah, that, that was, that's a monster. <laughs> That's and, funny. Uh, That's too bad. Did Larry ever course. see that deer again, or does he, he just nope. get out of dodge? He he got out of dodge, and uh, Larry never saw him again. We never found his sheds. I mean, nothing. And as far as we know, nobody ever shot him because he was definitely big enough that if somebody shot him, Larry would have. Somebody would know. Yeah. Yeah. Still, he's still rolling those hills to these day to this day. Yeah, I don't know if he is or not, but <laughs> yes. The dream lives on. I will tell yeah, you that. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. I mean, that's a good story. It's 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 tough luck, but <laughs> I can just see your elbow and I can just feel the dread when that arrow goes. But at least you didn't wound him. Le left him for someone else, right? You're just that right, kind of guy. Right. Yeah. As generous <laughs> as I am. Yeah. But yeah, so absolutely. that was uh that was my first real encounter with a with a big buck that like and it happened so fast, I didn't even get the adrenaline dump until mm -hmm. after it was over. Like, it, it, I mean, it was it was so fast. I mean, all of it happened in 90 seconds or oh, less. Wow. And then, of course, after he ran off, I was just like, we're done. I can't I can't control <laughs> myself. So I, 
I just stood in the tree until it got dark. But uh, so that <laughs> just that totally defeated. I could see you standing in that wet tree, just totally defeated. That's, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a good image that you painted, man. It's it's interesting. I've never known of anyone that didn't have a tree stand that was just standing on on a limb. So I, I was worried that you yep. were gonna fall and like impale your leg or something like that. But, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad no one was injured. Right. Yep. And that's and so that's that's the term, and I still use it to this day. Is, you know, I and I still have some trees that I just tennis shoe into. You just that's you, awesome. there's certain tr- some of those big walnuts, just the way they grow. You know, they they can afford a, a natural tree stand type deal because a lot of times in a tree stand anyway, I I can't I can't sit down the whole time I'm hunting. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm going out yeah. for an evening hunt, I won't ever sit down because a lot of my setups is if you sit down, you can't draw your bow from that sitting position. Yeah, you have to stand up. And and just to clarify that, I live in southeast Kansas. Uh, I live in the Flint Hills, um, so we don't always have a lot of really big trees. Uh, we got hedge trees, you know, we, we got some oaks and stuff like that down in the creek bottoms. But if you're hunting an area that's not in a creek bottom, a lot of your trees don't get, you know, taller than maybe 30, 35 feet. Uh, there's a limited range of where you can really put a tree stand up. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. But, All right, man. Well, do you have any other stories for us or is that uh, is that it for today? Oh, I, I, I got another one because... One of my goals when I moved to Kansas was to be able to shoot a uh, trophy deer on my own house or on my own, on my own property. And, uh, there was one that I ended up getting, getting shot. And, uh, I've had a friend who's been coming out. Uh, he used to be my neighbor in Colorado and we met being neighbors and he got into archery and we used to bow hunt together. We did some public land bow hunting in Colorado. And of course, like I had a deer tag, he had an elk tag, he saw deer, I saw elk. So, you know, we just saw the opposite of wh- whatever we had. Of course. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. So nobody <laughs> nobody ever filled a tag when we went hunting together. But he started coming out when I moved to Kansas every single year. And so I, when I first moved out here, man, I was a whitetail junkie and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I, I mean, I had like 20 game cameras and I would go put them in up on walk-in property and you know i was trying to talk to neighbors people are very protective of their deer hunting out here uh on private ground so it's it's kind of difficult to get permission mm-hmm. to go deer hunting out here but once you once i moved out to the country and people started to know me and realized i lived here i started being able to hunt more places because i was i was a resident yeah you know that makes um, sense so i mean i would Man, I, I'd look at 20,000 trail camera pictures a, a month. Easy. I mean, I spent hours looking at trail cameras, and I've got some absolute giants on trail cameras now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I finally started getting one below my house. And uh, he wasn't a two, he wasn't a Boone and Crockett deer or anything, but he he was he was a trophy deer. And so I had him kind of – I was trying to get my buddy that – from Colorado. He lives in California now, but I was trying to get him out here and I was trying to get him on that deer. So we, he hunted that deer pretty hard and just never was able to make it work. I think he saw him once. As soon as he left, I started hunting and, uh, I had a surgery coming up. I got my, uh, the artery in my left arm reconnected. Um, so 
so your artery was disconnected let's let's go back to that just so, for a second <laughs> i had a coartation when i was an infant and to fix the coartation in my heart as an infant they used some of the artery out of my left arm Got it. so growing okay. up the entire left side of my body was i guess undeveloped or less developed than the right side of my body mm-hmm. because I just had less blood flow. Got it. So okay. I would get like heart attack feelings because when I would play sports or work out or do those things, I wouldn't get the blood flow to the left side of my upper body and my arm like most people would. And so I think they called it subclavian steel. And so my arm would ache because I would run out of oxygen. And for those muscles. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up getting my artery reconnected to the main artery in my neck. Got it. Okay. That makes a ton more sense. You don't often hear someone say, yeah, I had my artery reconnected. You got to find out where, you know, where was the yeah. disconnect. So <laughs> anyway, so I had just had that surgery done. I was still off work <laughs> for having the surgery done. And I was sitting in a tree stand with my bow, of course, which I'm Sure, I'm not supposed to be, uh, <laughs> but it was right below my house. The steer had been in there. It was just one of those days. Nothing was going right, man. I had a bunch of does come through, and there was the old white ear doe that instantly winded me. And then she would circle around and get farther away. And she and then she spotted me finally. And then of course she went into the whole deal of like stomping her feet and snorting. And I was just like, man, I'm so busted because every other deer that's coming by now, she's just up, she's over there, just pointing me out. And uh, of course she's standing where I can't shoot her. Otherwise I'd have just shot her and ended the problem. (laughs) Um, But finally she, she bugged off and I was like, all right, I'm just going to get down. It's not even dark yet. I've got chores to do cows to feed. And so I stand up and I am, I hook, I take my arrow out of my rest. And I, I hook my bow up to the string to let it down out of the stand. And all of a sudden, two does come running right underneath me. And I'm like, oh, oh that's going to be a buck following them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I look up and I turn real slow to my right. And sure enough, there he is. And I've had this deer on camera all summer, all fall. And I know he's, I mean, he's just, we, I, I'm hunting a draw right below the house. And they've, they've, I know he's been down there. I know he's been living in there. You know, I'm hunting in between his bedding area and, and where he's going out to feed and just trying to catch him. And I caught him. He, here he comes. Yeah, he managed to, of course, he doesn't come down the trail the does do. You know, he's being old and smart and he's staying away and he, he's zigzagging back and forth on, on their scent trail. And uh, so he zigs out on me getting out about 25 yards from me and he passes behind some trees and I'm able to draw and he steps out of those trees and I managed to get a good shot on him and put an arrow in him. He never knew I was there. He was so focused on those does. And so Mm -hmm. he only ran maybe 20 yards and he stopped again and he was kind of standing behind a tree. So I just drew another arrow. He stepped out from behind those trees and this was at about 35 yards and I wasn't taking any chances. So I shot him again. And he ran maybe another 
another 30 yards and I could hear him crash in the creek. And so I didn't wait too long after that because I knew he was down because I'd heard him heard him splash in the creek down there. And I was able to go and get him. He scored 160 inches. That's so, awesome. That's that, awesome. You know, and that was one of your lifelong goals was to get a, a, a bruiser on your own property, man. Congratulations. Yep. And this, so that was three years ago. So I'd lived out here. I lived in Kansas hunting on my own property. And the first five years I actually lived in Kansas, I never shot a buck. So, cause everything we had come through, you know, I, I don't know what, a, you know, I don't know if it's right, wrong, whatever, but the problem with the game cameras is I knew what was out there, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I always wanted to shoot a giant and I, Larry has been a good advisor to me. He's like, man, there's, there's a lot of deer that become very mature deer, five-year-old deer, six-year-old deer that aren't going to break 150 inches. Like the genetics aren't there. They're not going to do it. And Larry's rule has always been, if you get a mature deer, that's a trophy. I mean, what makes a five-year-old deer with smaller antlers dumber than a five-year-old deer with big antlers? Nothing. I mean, that's a trophy is a trophy, you know, when, when you're shooting a mature buck. So I started, I started to live by Larry's rules. I've since then, I've had pretty phenomenal luck. Um, the <laughs> last lucky three good, years, right? Yep. So the last three years now I've been very fortunate and I've shot the 160 inch deer. I shot 148 inch deer and I shot 152 inch deer this last year. Man, that's awesome. So I'm still, you know, I still have dreams of getting into the one seventies or the one eighties and they're out here, but I'm living by the rule of you get a mature deer to walk underneath your tree stand. You know, he's five, six years old you shoot a mature deer. It's a trophy deer. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Larry sounds like a, a, a smart gentleman, a good, a, definitely a good whitetail mentor for you. So that's awesome, man. Oh yeah. He's taught me lots of uh, tricks and tips to be a successful hunter. Well, here's what you got to do. I don't know. You, you got to talk to Larry and you got to get him on the podcast so that we can hear some of his stories. Cause I'm sure he's got some. Yep. And, and fortunately this, this is, this is awesome now too. So Larry's come out to my place now and I have since bought more property and I have a lot more places to hunt. And Larry has now shot, I think he shot 166 inch white tail off me two years ago. Oh, wow. So, you know, I feel really, really good about that being able to, you know, give back to somebody that took me under their wing and, you know, have him come out and shoot a, a quality mature whitetail off of me and and to be here for it and yeah i mean it, it's just been a lot of fun i mean larry larry is one of those people that he's uh he's just a kindred spirit when it comes to spending time outside yeah that's awesome man that's cool so cool Braden. well awesome man. any any more stories <laughs> these have all been pretty good not that i can think of offhand really that's all right that's all right man yeah not a big I'll deal just- the only thing I got that's kind of off topic with the, with the bow hunting was uh, I've been working on trying to build a little bit of a waterfowl habitat on my watershed this last year. And I only got to hunt it once, but I was able to go out with a friend and we shot our limit off my watershed in 45 minutes. Um, yeah, you, you sent that video to me of that, like uh, you kind of hosted a hunt that was put on YouTube or TV, or I'm not sure exactly where it was, but uh, it looks like you're doing a lot of good work to your property for whitetail and obviously yep. now white waterfowl so that's cool man yep and that was a gentleman um 
I forget who he worked with, but he, he worked with uh, Whitetail TV or Cabela's TV. Um, and so that actually right, Excalibur aired, uh, crossbows, right? Right. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was sponsored by several different people. He was sponsored by like big and J Excalibur crossbows. Yeah. A couple of those places. And so we, he's actually the nephew of the guy that owns the property across the street from me. And so that's how I met him. Um, and he came out with, I think, very low expectations mm-hmm. of, of finding a trophy deer. And we had just kind of hit it off. I'll send you the link. You can put it, put it below and these people can, can watch this, watch this hunt. But, uh, I actually filmed that entire hunt while he, while he hunted. Yeah. When that, when that was all over, he's like, man, this is awesome. How many deer have you shot like this? And I was like, I've never shot one close to this. <laughs> <laughs> and so like all of a sudden he was like, Oh, I feel kind of bad. And I was like, man, that's just how it goes. Like I live out here. I've taken people hunting out here and, uh, a lot of them, you know, it, it's just it's like, I can go out, I put them in a tree stand. They'll sit in a tree stand their first time, just like my wife for two hours and they'll shoot a trophy buck, you know, bigger than anything I've shot. I'm the one living out here and I'm the one Do, you know, putting working, in all the work. Yeah. Putting in all the work, but I, that's you funny, know, I, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to do that. And a lot of the people that I let come out and hunt with me are first time hunters. Like they're shooting their first white tail ever with a bow. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say I have a fixed rule, but I don't, I've managed to maintain the rule of thumb, I guess. And that is nobody shot anything with a rifle on my place other than a kayak. That's so awesome. All, all the white tail on my place have either been taken with a crossbow or with a bow. So <laughs> that's awesome. How many acres do you own total now? Uh, about 320. Okay. Good for you, bud. Good for you. So, but Braden, we did it, man. We, uh, we actually are filling up the timer. We got two and a half minutes, uh, before we're going to get kicked out of this, <laughs> this zoom meeting. So, um, I don't know anything else, anything else you want to kind of finish with just anything you want to send the people off with, or, uh, maybe let them know where to find you, your Instagram, whatever it might be. You can check me out on Instagram and see what I've been up to out here. Uh, it's Braden Ford 84 on Instagram. I'm doing everything from, duck hunting to whitetail hunting obviously fishing i've been working on working on my fishery as well building structures i've put wipers in my watershed now i've been trying to get grass carp in there i'm just i'm just a big kid that's got little kid dreams i guess so (laughs) i'm just trying to fill them good for you man i'm trying trying to build a place that my sons will enjoy growing up at so and enjoy their time outside and that's awesome Braden. well thank you man i appreciate it i don't want you to get cut off mid-sentence so i think we'll probably end it here but we'll stay in touch i'm probably i bet you'll have more stories for me at the end of every season so yep and uh, they'll be fresher and they'll probably be better stories so all right <laughs> sounds good i and appreciate you gotta it, connect with larry too buddy yep great to stay in touch so all right man we'll talk thank to you later you. all right guys that's it we're still putting around with the format, but another episode is in the books. If you have any feedback, please let us know. Just go to at Hunting Stores Official on Instagram and, and DM us. Let us know what we're doing wrong, what we can do better, whatever it might be. And of course, don't forget to follow and share while you're there. Now, I hope you enjoyed the stories that Braden shared with us today. I've put his information in the show notes. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, check him out. And of course, uh, don't forget to subscribe, review, comment on whatever your preferred podcast app may be. So Spotify, Apple, whatever you use. And uh, don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Finally, 
we're always looking for more storytellers. So if you, your dad or your friend, whoever it may be, has a good story, hit us up. Let us know. We'd love to hear from every kind of hunter as long as you can tell a good story. So thank you again for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Now go make some stories of your own. Thank you.